0: Welcome to Episode 3 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that investigates how successful communicators create genuine connection. I'm Amelia Veal, and through this series, I will share communication strategies that you can use. Today, I'm chatting with Andrew Morello, the winner of the first season of The Apprentice Australia. Andrew is now Head of Business Development at Yellow Brick Road and the co-founder of online jewellery company Bellagio & Co. He is also a founding member of The Entourage, Australia's largest educator and community of entrepreneurs. Andrew's number one mantra is that relationships are the key to a lifetime of success. And today, he shares some of his secrets to success with us.
1: Show me in. oh right, well, well, you know what it is? It's from my auction spill. Oh, good. Well, the top of the day to you, ladies and gentlemen, bidders and spectators alike. And welcome. Yes, welcome. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Andrew Morello. That's my opening spill my auction.
0: Fabulous. Well, well get
1: some more warmed up, get some more revved up out yeah, of the crowd. They're ready. Quarter thousand auctions.
0: Good. Yeah. And you're, yeah, re- yeah. you're ready
1: to go. A thousand,
0: that's
1: a fair few options. Yeah, yeah. I wish i called more now, but I, I charge out a particular figure now.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, hence I charge, I, I do less, but I still love doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It gets like, the crowd going. Oh, so much fun. Even if they don't bid. Yeah. You know what I end up doing? And this is very in line with your vision, mission and values. I end up just telling them a story. Good. So, when I learned how to be an auctioneer, so I learned from the best in the country. So, John McGrath, Scott Kennedy Green from Immigraza State Agents as well, and a guy named Adrian Butera um, in Victoria. And when I learned, they taught me, he goes to me, they all said, who do you call an auction for? I said, you know, the the person selling, isn't it? Like, that's what I'm representing. They're like, who else? There's four people. So you call it for the person selling, the person buying, you, yourself and the agency, but most importantly, you call it for, you know, potential customers in the future, clients in the future. And he said, so if no one's bidding, you've still got to put on a show. Like a lot of auctioneers, if, no, if there's no registered bidders or no one's going to bid, that they cancel the auction. He goes, "No, you got to sit down, you got to tell a story. So I used to just get up and tell the story. And by the end of it, this is how I knew I'd done a good job. Generally, people only clap when the property sold, sells, right? When I call an auction, even if it doesn't sell, people at the end are like, "Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, no bids. it's okay. We're going to pass the property in, and we'll uh, we'll let you know shortly. I'm sure it's going to soon to be sold." And then I stop, and everyone starts clapping. Anyway, like, <laughs> well, obviously the story was good.
0: Yeah, they yeah. enjoyed it. And a
1: lot of the a lot of the auctions I've called are where I grew up, so in the Mundi Valley District of Victoria. So I've always got a story to tell. My family's been there since 1956. My brother was school captain. I was vice captain. My sister was school captain of the girls' school. So. Yeah, you've there's stories. always something fun to talk about.
0: I have a feeling you've always got something yeah. fun to talk yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, well, correct. what I'd like to talk about to begin with is your item of significance yes. you brought in today. Yes, and I'd like—I like, I you like
1: to- that you do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: because no one else has ever done this in an interview.
0: Well, I just like it as a way of really getting to know a little bit more personal about yourself. Yes, beautiful. And what that means to you and how that connects to your community.
1: Great, great, fantastic. So, take it away. So, the item of significance is a um, is a canvas that was... Um, Sorted out. I don't actually know specifically who did, but for my birthday, so I went. I won the Apprentice in you know two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. I moved here, but for two thousand and ten March, what actually happened was um, all of the other contestants they all came and saw me for my birthday. So these are the people I've beaten effectively. Like you know, you would think they would not be happy, but they were all very supportive. Um, and then I've gone into business with Blake. I'm uh, still best mates with Adelaide, who's your South Australian representative. Uh, I'm actually friends with all of them still. She just recently got married to one of my friends. Um, She's moved back to New Zealand, so I'm actually friends with all of them. But they got me this canvas man. You know, the ones that were there on the day signed it. But uh, I keep it up at home. It was a turning point in my life. It was an exciting thing. It was. It made me move to Sydney. So, you know, effectively opened my eyes to much bigger and better things. I was the simple boy from Mooney Ponds back then. So, I um I didn't. You know, Sydney was the was the big city, you know? I was like, oh, as if I'm, if someone had said to me, so this is six and a half years ago now, someone had said to me six and a half years ago that you'd be living in Bondi Beach, working with Mark Burris, shareholder of a publicity company, I would have said to you, you're crazy. I would have said, I'm just a simple boy from Mooney Ponds, or so I'm going to list and sell real estate in Mooney Ponds for the rest of my life. So this really was a, uh, the reason why it's a significant item is because it reminds me of a massive turning point and a sliding door moment. 10,000 people tried out for The Apprentice when the the nomination form was sent to me by one of my clients. I actually said to him, I don't have time for this rubbish. That's what I said to him. So, <laughs> And he reminds everyone now that the reason why I won was because of him.
0: Great. And so what what door, you you mentioned sliding door, so building on that, the sliding door moment to your community. So what community has that opened you to now? Mm.
1: Well, I feel like I've made, even though I still have a house in Mooney Ponds, I feel like I've made Sydney my home. So there's definitely a community there. Um, But probably the bigger community um, is the, you know, back in Mooney Ponds is a great place, but, you know, if you've got so much to give the world, and you're in moody ponds, no one's going to hear it, right? But from you know Sydney and the, the the networks I've made and the community I've built and the you know the community of friends I have and the the mentors and the influencers like you know Mark Burris and Jerry Harvey I'm catching up with next week and John McGrath I catch up with um, consistently. You know now being in Sydney, I've been able to create a, a, a community of support one, but to a community where everybody. Look, I'm really, really privileged and I'm really appreciative of it, but I'm really, really privileged that like, people go, oh, you've done so much by 30. It would it would be a bit of a travesty if I hadn't done all this by 30 because there's been so many good people and so many influential people that have said, look, we want to help you be great because we believe that the message that you're sending out to the world needs to be heard. And so, look, I've had some amazing things happen, you know, great opportunities that not many people will ever get a chance to have, but I, I'm appreciative of those and I'm you know, I try and live my life in gratitude and give back where I can. I try and reciprocate and send it out to the, you know, the karmic worlds. And you know, I send out some good um, good energy as well. But, you know, and, tr- and try and always make time for other people. Because we don't know um, how much we actually mean to other people.
0: And you talked about mentors and inspiration. And I know you do some work, we were talking before about the entourage. Yes. Inspiring um entrepreneurial, young yes. people starting through the business, yes. you know, and so I feel like there's a community of people around that as well, do yes. you mind talking a little bit about that? hundred
1: percent, yeah, 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 so we we don't see Entourage, um, so Jackie's our, our founder, I'm one of the founding members, and we, we never talk about it as a business, we actually always talk about it as a community. So. Um, you know, and in the early days, we, we still don't treat it like a business. In the early days, we didn't treat it like a business. And it was hard because, you know, everybody was all about dollar productive, you know, stuff and making money and you got to make sales. But we really stuck to our, our core values. Um, and, you know, for a long time, you know, Jack and I did everything for free. And we we still don't pull a lot of money out of the business. We just you know we we reinvest into the asset. We've got hundred staff there now. So there's there's probably two communities effectively. There's the community of the entrepreneur that we're trying to encourage this um, you know challenge the status quo, get out there, try new things, um, you know work together, collaborate, you know lean startup, you know just you know work in a you know in a hub or something like that, one of those entrepreneurial hubs. Then there's the other part, which is that we're trying to help. Um, people that want to be a part of something, and that want to come and work with the entourage, building a community around that where they can be the best they can possibly be, and support other people because we're all different. Mm-hmm. We all take nourishment different ways. We take nourishment from, you know, physical nourishment or mental nourishment or emotional nourishment or spiritual nourishment. And starting your own business isn't necessarily going to nourish you. So you need to decide, okay, what is it that I want to do? What's my contribution? And then we'll work. Then let's work together to make it happen. Brilliant.
0: Yep. Okay, so and you've sort of touched on this, and what I really want to do is is really get into the uniting of community and yes. what it is that brings people together. Yep. So you're talking, you you said there that you know different people take nourishment from different mm. things. So how as a community, what's really important to actually unify that yes. and bring them
1: together? Mm. I think the, the the first part of that is it's in our DNA. Like, I think, look, I'm, I'm sure there's a percentage of the population, a psychologist will tell, behavioural psychologists say, that don't like spending time with people, but it doesn't matter how online we get or how systemized we get or how social media-ish we get, there is, you know, the human, you know, um, condition yearns for either physical or emotional or mental or spiritual nourishment through other people. So, you know, it is, you know, since the day of dawn and since evolution, whatever your belief is, whether you believe, you know, that it was Adam and Eve or whether you believe it was evolution, it's irrelevant because since the day of dawn, human beings have been drawn to each other and, you know, drawn to each other to create communities and to hunter and gather back in the day and to survive back in the day. But now it's probably to feel relevant you know, I think we, we look for relevance and significance through interaction with um, other people within a community. Um, so I think it's about formulating positive communities at a, at a children's level, at a adolescent level, and then at an adult level where people can actually be themselves, they can express who they are, um, and we and I try and do that in everything, whether it's you know uh, the you know Yellow Brick Road, whether it's the Entourage, whether it's um, some of the charity stuff I do. I'm always trying to foster an environment where people can be the best then and that they've got something to contribute. Because I can't, I, I'm not good at everything. I'm not good at one thing, talking. That's it. It's all I'm good at doing. So I, I find other people that compliment me so I can create a great community around that and then we can we can feed off each other.
0: Mm, mm. I suspect that you're good at more than talking, but... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now you've got a, a motivated and united community. Yes. How, what's the next building block to actually motivate that community to take mm. action, yes. to do? So they've gone from uniting, yep. then how do you encourage them to take so action?
1: I, well, I think the big, it's a great question, by the way, because I think the biggest mistake is people do create a community and then they have a, a, um, a goal in mind, but they, and then they, they, a lot of them are great at getting the action going, but it's not consistent because they don't build a strong foundation. So in my opinion, with any community, whether it's a business community, a entrepreneurial community, a philanthropic community, I can never pronounce that word, philanthropic community, you need to actually work on the core vision, mission, and values, right? And people think it's fluff. Like, you know, when I, when we're getting, you know, a prime example is I'm working on a new business feature now and like we've got all the plans in mind, we've got the business plan all set up, but we haven't done the vision, mission, and values. And I've said to the guys, we need to book in a half day and do the vision, mission of, oh, we don't need that shit. That's what they said to me. I'm like, well, no, because we'll get started. And unless you can actually bring people back to the core vision, mission, and values, you should hire, you should fire, you should performance manage, you should, and at a philanthropic level, you should use that for the inspiration to actually get action done. You know, you know, Because what happens is, especially when you do charitable work, if the vision mission of A's isn't strong enough, there becomes a point where as human beings, it's human nature, where we wake up and we go, geez, I've put so much time, energy, and effort into this and it's not paying a dividend. I'm not changing the world. I'm not, I haven't, you know, stopped poverty, I haven't fed a million people. Like, and you know, that's that's the end goal. Like that is gonna be hard. That's your that is your, you know, your 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 vision, right? But in the meantime, you need to bring it back to the core values in order to keep you inspired and motivated. And to inspire and motivate the people that are involved. Mm. like that's the other thing too. Like, you know, like what happens is people get started. They're like, oh, we're building an orphanage in Cambodia. Great, so everyone's, oh, I wanna get involved in that. This is true story happens to me. And that when the vision and mission and values isn't right though, you know, when they get a little bit demotivated or they can't be bothered anymore, or life gets busy, you need to be able to go back to those core values to actually realign everybody, recalibrate everybody within that community to reach the common goal.
0: Absolutely mm. fantastic. Then, what happens if it comes to a point where there's negativity? So, if mm. people are demotivated, yeah. they you know lose sight of that that vision, and and you know negativity creeps in. Yeah. How do you handle that?
1: Well, from from a business point of view, I, I run probably monthly to quarterly, um, you know, culture days. You know, so that's that's a big thing where we realign everyone back to the vision, mission, and values. Where we op- op- offer a forum, so we're trying to be proactive rather than reactive. So this is, you know, traditionally in business or in any community, what happens is is generally people are reactive. So something goes wrong, people aren't happy, and then they decide, oh shit, okay, I've got to i to fix it, right? What we try and do is be proactive. So we're always looking to one grow. We always we foster an environment and a culture of growth. Um, inclusion um, we're always encouraging people to put their ideas forward um, and we also as well encourage people to be honest about if they're happy like if they want to do this or not so a lot of them aren't happy but they're not doing their life's purpose so one of my my um, very close um, you know staff he's, he's come to me last week on the phone because I'm not going to be in Melbourne for a while and he's like I don't want to do this so over the phone but I don't want to leave you in the lurch but I love working for you, but, and with us, and and I always say you work with us, not for me. I love working with you, but he goes, um, the health and fitness industry is something I've always wanted to do, and he's told me this before. So he's like, and I I really want to do it now. he goes, it's what makes me happy. And I I said, okay, so I've offered to pay for part of his course of, you know, he's leaving me. And one one of my other staff, like, why are you doing all this stuff for him if he's leaving you? And I said, because that's what you do. Like I said, you gotta you know, I can't stand up on stage and beat this drama and tell people, Oh yeah, stick to your core vision, mission and values and one of your values should be do what your heart's telling you to do and then not actually do it. I said, then I'm living a you know, a non-congruent or incongruent life and a and a living disingenuous and unauthentically. And I said, Well, so I need to, you know, as much as yeah, it's gonna annoy me that he's leaving, oh, 100%, But I need to be the better man and support him in his in his dreams and his life's purpose. And if I do that, then one day he might come back or one day, you never know what might happen. He might become ultra successful himself. I might lose everything one day and need his help. So you never know. And my father always taught that to me. He goes, be careful that you treat people on the way up because you don't know who you might need on the way down. So.
0: Absolutely, mm, mm. yeah. And okay, so with communication and and you touched on this a bit before, um, social media and a digital world, you know, obviously person to person is a passion of yours yes um what is the balance with communication and and that messages Mm. through community online you know where do you find that balance and what is what online platforms are you using
1: yes um so i was like anti-social media i was like i'm only 30 i was like i was like the old guy you know, like that sixty-year-old. Like, it's terrible. This thing is going to ruin the world. So I had to bite the bullet and I, I got onto it. So I have like twelve thousand followers now through the different platforms, um, and I've realised now it's a great opportunity for me to spread a message. Like I, I didn't, you know, you know, I, you know, from a humble point of view, I didn't really realise that my message was, you know that worth listening to until people, you know, started coming to events and it's thousand people, 2,000 people, you know, in a room at our own conventions or one of our other events. And then all of a sudden I went, okay, well, okay, maybe people do want to listen. So I use the social media, um, one, to sort of spread some positivity. So I don't put on there like, you know, making myself a cup of tea or you know, eat, take a photo of my food. Not that there's anything wrong with people doing that, by the way, but, <laughs> like, take a photo, this is what I'm eating for lunch, this is what I'm eating for dinner, I'm like, all oh, right, okay. So I, I try and use it, the one, um, spread some, you know, similar to what you do, spread some positive content, uh, number one. Number two, I use it to um, educate people. Number three, I use it to, uh, you know, communicate. It's a new world now, so, like, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and things of that nature, like you need to give people a vehicle, one, to speak to you, two, for you to speak to them. Um, But I think it needs to go hand in hand, symbiotically, with um, some really good face-to-face opportunities, you know. So that's why I love getting on stage still, uh, and I really enjoy getting on stage, number one. And I also enjoy one-on-ones, like they're not, from a financial viability point of view, not very good, but I, I generally give everyone at least 15 minutes of my time. So I go to, look, if you're prepared to jump on a plane from Adelaide, come here and sit with me, then I'm not gonna say no to you. Like, you know, book it in 100%, prepared to spend 15, 20 minutes, half an hour or so, because you don't know where the next opportunity is gonna come from, number one. Number two is that was me. You know, once upon a time, that was me. I was the guy breaking people's balls, saying, come on, can can I catch up with you? And they'd say to me, all right, if you come to my office, sit in the corner you can watch me for an hour while i make prospecting calls or if you come to my office you can and you know you're prepared to catch up with me for the 15 minutes that i have lunch i'm like i'm happy to do that and i jumped on a plane i used to come to when i was 19 i used to come up to john McGrath's head office you know it would cost me a fortune It cost me a thousand dollars return flights on qantas it would then i'd have to catch a taxi at the airport to each cliff. then i would pay like three four grant to be mentored by like the best of the best then you know, I'll jump back on a plane, go back all in one day, and I have to get up at three in the morning, four in the morning, to be at the airport. But it was worth it. Look, you know, look who I am today because of it. You know, but a lot of people, this next generation, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. Is it you.
0: That's the old band creeping in. This it next is. Generation. I know, but they
1: don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. This 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 nineteen to twenty five year old group. They and I. I used to listen to that song. You know, it says you know oh, i'm just trying to remember who sung it now they it was the guy he's a comedian it was the sunscreen song and one of the lines in it is he's like one day you, tr- you two will think everything was cheap when you were younger and i i try and hold myself responsible to do that but man when i meet these yeah 18 to 25, that's why i love educating 18 to 25 because th- there is ch- there's going to be a challenge with that they are completely online so they are desensitised to um, personal contact. And so what's happening is they, they go going to school and they're on their phones and social media the whole time. And they finish school, they go to uni now and uni is like 30% face-to-face now. Like everything's all online, right? So they lose the... The social aspect of university, and they just arrive just to do their face to face contact hours and then they, they leave straight away. So they, they lose that. Then what happens? They have a degree, then they go to get a job. Now, when they go to get a job, they have to sit in front of somebody and they have to be likable. They have to be, you know, half the interview when I'm interviewing people is that I want to know that I could talk to this person every day for the rest of my life because you could be employing him for the rest of your life. You don't know that. Mm. So, you know, their, their social skills. And their social maturity is um, in this next generation because everything has gone online. Um, I think, I think there's the old concept: what was it once old will once again be new one day. And I think people will go back to more face to face, or people who are good at face to face will become really, really valuable. Like you'll have to pay really good money to have like a like a me in your business. Like you know you'll get some twenty-two year old kid who's who's like me, and you'll have, you have to pay him two hundred grand a year to be a, the, the guy who manages all the other guys and can still deliver externally, you know? So that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah. yeah. Brian
0: Kramer, he's based in the US, talks a lot about h to h human to human. Yeah. He's really interesting. I so think Brian
1: he, Kramer. Yeah, I think yeah. you'd like it. I'll, yeah. I'll
0: give you his name afterwards. Yeah. He's fabulous. Talks yeah, a lot about that. And the marketing and the science and the psychology mix, yeah. that's where he's in. Yeah. It's all about. It's that. all very interesting. <laughs> and, you know, well,
1: I, I think we are we, going through an evolution, you yeah. know. So, like, I think the hard thing is, and this is, it is quite difficult for young people today. Is they have semi lost their identity, as I said before. Like, you know, that's what that's what keeps me motivated to keep trying to work with young people, inspire, and motivate young entrepreneurs or business people. Any chance I get, a, I, I get an opportunity to speak in front of a school, I'm, I'm there. You know, like I don't charge the schools that I speak at. I, you know, I charge for all my corporate staff. The reason why I charge what I charge for my corporate stuff is so I can afford to go do the stuff for the uh, for high schools. Cause I just want to I just want to see this next generation who are on this going through this crazy evolution of technology and role models and you know like you go and ask a kid who's like 18 right now, 18, you go and ask an 18, 10, 18 year olds in the street in Australia, you go and ask him, who is Nelson Mandela? And I reckon five out of 10 couldn't tell you. But you go and ask, who's Kim Kardashian? One, 10 out of 10 will be able to tell you. It's pretty concerning. That's it's, There's a little bit, a bit of concern. a worry. There. It's a worry. But but at the same time, I'm not all doom and gloom. I just think we need to change, you know, bring people into a level of consciousness, bring them into stronger communities, better communities, and more positive communities. And that's, that's the goal. Absolutely. That's what I'm working on right now.
0: Perfectly. Yeah. Okay, so then, in conclusion... What is your be the drop tip? Now, a be the drop tip is your communication, your top communication yep. tip.
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, for anybody, it's, it's more is lost with indecision than wrong decision. So I think because we have so much choice growing up in a Western culture, um, we don't make decisions. And then when we make decisions, we always question them. If you're gonna fail, fail fast and have another crack. You know, there's nothing wrong with failure as long as you see it as a stepping stone to success. Sensational.
0: I love it. I think that's a wrap. That was brilliant. Beautiful. Thanks for listening to Be The Drop Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Leave us a review or share with someone who is looking to improve their communication. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at b underscore the underscore drop or visit our website narrativemarketing.com.au and click on the podcast tab. If you or somebody you know embodies Be The Drop, email us via podcast at narrativemarketing.com.au. New episodes are released each Monday, so make sure you don't miss out by checking in every week.